morning once again. If I happen to miss you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and today we're going to continue our series called Realign. And anytime in your life you need a realignment, whether it's for your back or for your car or whatever it may be, you need something that kind of tells you this is how things are supposed to be. So with your back, you need something that says, hey, this is how your back works. This is what it should look like. And this is how, you know, you need a doctor to come in and say, this is what it should be. Now let's look at what you look like and what's going on with you or your muscles or whatever it may be. And, and then we can say, hey, this is what we need to do to help you be realigned or with your car. You know, this is how you, this is what driving straight looks like. This is what it's supposed to be. And then they have a template or something that helps them line it up. And so the same is really true for our lives. We need something that says, hey, this is how you and I are meant to live. This is how you are supposed to live. This is how God made us. As Christ followers, this is something that we believe that will lead you to great purpose and meaning for your life. And coming out of the last several years, and things have been kind of thrown up in very different ways for us, and life has changed so much that we need to be realigned. We need something that shows us this. This is what we're doing. We're looking at the purposes that God has made you to live by. And even if you're not a follower of God, or you're pursuing that, or even if you're skeptical, these are things that if you pursue and begin to do in your life, you'll experience great purpose. And so you are called, and we started out talking about how you are called of God in many different types of ways. And today we're going to talk about how you are called to become, how you are called to become. When you were a child, when you were a child, I don't know if you can remember this or if this happened to you, but did you want to become something or someone, a profession? Do you remember this at all? Like when you were five years old, six, seven you're like, yeah, I want to be, and you know, we fill in the blank. Like, I remember, this is so random. For me, it wasn't firefighter or you know, a lot of the typical things. I, I remember seeing on TV the Surgeon General standing with the president or something like that. So I was like, I want to be the Surgeon General. Like, that was why I was going to be that. So I remember saying that, like, five, six years old. And then it turned into, I want to be a heart surgeon. And I, seriously, I pursued that for, I don't know, like, when I was little. And my mom was like, but you're great. Do you understand, like, what doctors and... And, you know, so she was right. <laughs> she was right. And then, I mean, my, my son, I remember when he was like five years old, he had a list. He's like, I'm going to be construction worker, fireman, professional baseball player, professional football player, architect, engineer. And I was like, that's it? That's it? Right. Like, like he had his whole list. I loved it. But I, like, I'm wondering, like, I'm not going to actually ask this, but like how many of you did not become what you wanted to be at five or six years? I don't know if you remember or not. Obviously, I didn't. <laughs> and so, but there's, what is it interesting how we don't have to teach our kids this. Now, we do ask them a lot of times, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up, right? Like, but if you, know ever, if you never ask that question, they want to become. We emulate, we look at things, and we say, that's what I want to be. There's something that's in us. Listen to this verses in Romans 8, 28, 29. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called, there's that phrase, called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and chose them to become. Listen to that phrase. Isn't that amazing? He chose them to become like his son, to become like Christ, so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and 
sister. The scriptures talk about when Jesus rose from the grave, he was the firstborn of creation after defeating death in the grave. And we talk about being, as Christ followers, we were born again into a new life spiritually, being raised with Christ out of, out of, the, out of, out of death in the grave into life eternal. It's amazing. And so he has chose us to become like Christ because that is the best thing that we could ever pursue. And so we've been pursuing these callings that God has for us, purposes that he's made you for. And these are really like building box blocks of your life. It's like realigning us. And you, you might say, well, I don't, you may not even feel like you have a specific calling. Like, I was meant to do this specific thing in this time in this city. And sometimes, like, you have people have that ability to say that. But you don't have to. You can pursue these purposes that God has for you, and you will experience great meaning. And so we've been talking about how you've been called to be loved by Christ. By love by God. Like that's our first thing. Before we do anything, he loved us first. We need to have time and space in our lives to let him love us. That's why you need time. That's one of the reasons why we love to do silence. It's just a place to stop and to recognize that God is there. That you were meant to, you called to be loved by him. You've been called to go. He sends us out to love others. And we've been practicing that this month. Just a week ago, we engaged in Go Jersey City. And it's like a way that we love this city. We're very passionate about serving others and being community with others. And we, it was a great celebration a week ago, last weekend. You've been called to be sent out. Even in your city and sometimes to the world and to those around us. That's the calling that he has. You've been called to belong. This is what we talked about last week. You've been made to be part of God's family. He calls you to belong, to belong to Christ. And when you belong to him, you experience great purpose. And so today, let's, we want to talk about this. Our fourth calling is to become, to become like Christ, to become like him. And we're going to look at what this means. He's really calling you onto a journey to grow, a journey to grow. And he's patient with us. And when we look at this, it's fascinating. There's, there's five places in the New Testament scripture that we have where God compares becoming to running a race. It's fascinating. And so we're going to look at six different principles that we see coming out of these five passages, these different places where it just talks about running. So if you're a runner here today, if you're an athlete, you'll love this. And so we answer this question, how, how do I become what God calls me to be? Well, let's look at running your marathon to maturity. So this is not a sprint, right? This is really about a marathon. God is, is engaging us in a journey, in a journey with us. So let's look at this. So to run the marathon to maturity, I must, here's the first thing, and you can write this down or keep notes. We actually have, the, for those online, there's, if you're on our online platform, we have a notes, notes tab that you can use. But here it is. One is to simplify my life. You need to simplify my life. This is all these points are going to be from your perspective. You need to have a place where you can clean out things, make space, get rid of the clutter, so to speak. You need this in all different areas of your life, your mind, your schedule, and relationships. The scriptures implore us about this. Hebrews 12, 1. We'll be spending a lot of time in these first couple of verses of Hebrews. It speaks so strongly to us. It says this. It says, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those sins 
that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. I love that terminology. It's this picture of weight around us. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. You and I are encouraged to get rid of unnecessary baggage. There are things that are constantly pushing against you, competing in your life. And so we're encouraged, we're implored to think about this, to think about this, to eliminate diversions, distractions, detours, things that are wasting your time are really pulling you away from the, 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 the things that matter the most in your life. So think about weights. Like you don't run a marathon in a parka. I don't know. Maybe somebody will do that now. There's always, you know, in the New York City Marathon, there's always like these weird things. Like I, I know someone personally who, to raise money for charity, ran the whole marathon dribbling a basketball. He did the New York City Marathon. That's, I, I'm like, I'm so out of shape just thinking about that. It's like, wow. Like when you think, yeah, so that's pretty impressive. But you don't run it in a parka. Like you don't weigh yourself down in these types of things, Right? You strip things down, and you think about like endurance swimmers or professional. Like you watch the Olympics, and there's this whole awkward thing where they talk about how they shave themselves, and you're like, "What?" Like they're trying to get rid of everything possible that will slow them down, to where it's almost awkward, right? And like, so it looks like some kind of sci-fi movie. So like, they're just everything that can slow them down. They begin to be aware of that. That's the kind of imagery that we have. And so technology is constantly increasing, where the shoes are like light as a feather, and and although the, the gear that you where? And then it says this. It talks about the sins that, and I love this, this in this translation, that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet. There's a lot of things that we do, and we dabble in, and we tolerate, and we just don't really realize that they just, they have a hold on us. This is encouraging us to make a moral inventory of your lives. You need to, you need to find a way to to walk away from these things, just walk away from them. And then expectations. This is really implied in what we're reading. You see this phrase, particular race, that God has set before you to run. Like part of, of stripping off the weights and getting rid of these things is refusing to run others' races. Expectations. And that's a powerful one, right? Like uh, our culture is constantly pushing us and demanding of us that you've got to do this and you've got to run this race and you've got to run this race. And we're so, and, and like it keeps us from running what we can do and knowing what we can do. And don't you feel that pressure to be so engaged in all these different things? This is tough. Like I feel this. And so there's a place where we need to recognize what we can do. You can't be everything that everyone else wants you to be. It's impossible. We have to have the mindset and the ability to say no to some things. And I think it goes way beyond that, way deeper than that. You and I, we need to be able to let God. Like There's a place where we say, God, I recognize and I pray that you can be big enough to handle these things. The, the more connected our world has become, the more aware we are of all these 
problems and, and devastating things. And this is not saying that we shouldn't be concerned in that. That's not true at all. <laughs> we need to be caring and passionate about these things. But there's a place where we can't, you, have, you do not have the ability to take it all on. That's a weight, an expectation you need to let go of. And we need to learn to trust God to pursue the story that he's put in front of us that we can accomplish. To take these little steps and know that he's using that for significance. We need to simplify our lives. The question I want to ask, ask you with this is, what's holding you back from running your race? What, what do you need to drop? What are you taking on? Are, are you too busy for God? If you're here today and you are a Christ follower, he needs to be part of your life in some way. Are you too busy for him? We need to simplify. The second, the second point that we see is this, is, is we don't get impatient or in a hurry. I've already kind of been talking about this. There's an urgency that we, we feel, right? We, and this is true. Like here, especially in the city, like we're, we're always wanting to grow. We always want to be a better version of ourselves. And, we, and we've learned to like improve things and see results immediately. Maybe the, the job that you're in is always pushing for this. And you can find a way to get results. But then when it comes to our heart and personal change, that's not easy to do. When we're growing and becoming, it's really easy to get frustrated. At least it is for me because I'm very slow in my growth, right? My, thank goodness my wife is very patient. By the way, happy Father's Day. <laughs> that reminded me of that. Like, you know, if, you know talking with long-distance runners... A common mistake is not pacing themselves. If they run too fast at the start, they're going to get winded. They're going to run out of steam before the race ends. Uh, I had the joy of watching game six of the NBA Finals and uh, seeing Boston lose. Being in the New York area, we really can't say much. Like, the fact that Boston got to the Finals is kind of like a slam dunk on New York basketball right now. Like, we, it's, we not even been close recently. But it was, I heard this comment about... Jason Tatum and how, like, they, they had done back-to-back seven-game series, and, like, he had run, like, ten miles more than, like, anybody else in the, in the whole, like, in the playoffs or whatever, and, like, he just got winded. And it, it reminded me of, like, how LeBron James was in the finals so many years in a row, and I just read specific articles about how he learned to pace himself. Like, he began to have those experiences where he's doing a long season and so he would, he learned like to do little things during games and the teams would learn to manage him so that he would be ready and fresh for the end. Champions know how to pace themselves. Did you watch the Kentucky Derby this year? They talked about how the, the track was so fast that all these favorite horses ran out of steam. And then I forget the Norse's name, right? Like 15 Minutes of Fame, the one that was the longest shot, just shot past everybody, and took the, took the win. It was amazing. Hebrews 12.1, going back to that passage, it says, Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. That word patience can also be, and in some interpretations it says this, endurance. Let us run with endurance. This is a, this is a journey. God is about the journey. You and I, we're about the destination. 
he cares about who you are right now. He is purposefully leading us in all the things that we do. This is, by the way, this is really hard for me. <laughs> I have people in my life that are like, Wayne, it's about the journey. Like, just, you know, slow down. We need to be patient. There's no instant maturity. There's no magic pill. It takes time. And God is not in a hurry. Moses, in one of the Psalms that he wrote, talks about how, how God, is, God sees things from generation to generation. His thinking is not like our thinking. Every week, I'm encouraging you just to take a step. Take a step. We're learning to trust God that he's using all of that. And also, I want to encourage you to stay with it. There's a beauty in consistently engaging. Don't be afraid of the small. Everything around us is pushing you to be experiencing the big, but it's, it's through the small things to engage. If you're in a dinner group, keep that going. Engage. If you're serving or you're giving or whatever it may be, keep coming and come back. Engage, engage, engage. Don't get impatient or in a hurry. And then the third thing is spend time focusing on Christ, on Jesus, every day, every week of your life. If you are a Christ follower, you're pursuing him, he is our identity. That's what we proclaim, that he is the greatest thing that we can pursue. It's not our job identity. It's not in relationships or others or, or fame or whatever it may be. We are declaring that he is the greatest thing that we can pursue. And that's, that's a lot different than a lot of other things around us. This is so important. There's many times where you and I, we get to these places in our lives where we're like, God, why? I don't feel like I'm, I'm seeing you or experiencing you or seeing you. Where are you? Or why is this going on? And we don't even realize how disconnected we've been. And we're kind of complaining and, and we've not really been experiencing him. And you feel that disconnection. Last week when you talked about belonging and you've been made to be part of this family, Jesus himself said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me as I am in you. He's calling us to be connected to him. Do you have time where you are experiencing him? We talk about you've been made to be loved by him. We're learning to engage. This is why we want to read scripture. It's his words to us. It's, it's truth about who he is. Or even spending time in prayer. Being in community with one another. This allows us to be focused on Christ. So it says in Hebrews, we love this, this phrase where it says, it says, let us run with patience. Let's run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. We love that image. We're like, yeah, let's do this. Like whenever I read these passages, it's like, yeah, I want to be, I want to run with endurance and all these different things. And then, but how do you do that? It says this right after it says, because how do you do this? Well, you, we do this by, this is Hebrews 12 too, keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to to finish. You can't do this on your own. We run this race by depending, keeping our eyes on him. It's so key. You cannot grow. You cannot become without him. It is, it is completely opposite, the antithesis of anything God has ever shown us. Our whole start with him is saying, I can't do this on my own. I need you. 
We invite him in. We can't actually change without him in our lives. There are sins, these things that weigh us down. You need his incredible grace so you don't feel complete condemnation and shame. That you know you're secure in him. It's only out of that grace and that freedom and that security that you can actually grow. It's for you that can actually look at yourself and know, it's like, okay, this is not who I am. You're not actually condemned. That only comes from the grace and the freedom of Christ. We need him to spend time with him. What is influencing you the most? You need to take a time inventory. We become like those we spend the most time with. My tip for you is to find a spot, like some place that you can consistently go to and engage with. Like I, and like you, I like to create it. Like in my old apartment, it was like a glorified one bedroom. It's really it's like a modified two bedroom apartment <laughs> with our, our three kids and family of five. And I would just create these different spots. I just find it. Like at one point, I, I literally did a closet. And I put a light in it, and I just made it comfortable, and, like, and I cleaned things up. And like, so I could just go and be quiet, especially when their kids were really young. Like, you just need that space. And, and then it became their bedroom. I found that that was actually an amazing spot, and we would do things to make it really comfortable so I could just go and spend time with God. Whatever it takes, you can create these spaces. It's not easy in the city. But the more time you spend, the more that you will change. That God will bring circumstances and people and other things in your life to help you grow. There's this place where, where Moses spent time with God and he was glowing literally. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, all of us have had the veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, listen to this, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Like scientifically, we know this. God has made us like this. On a biological basis, there are mirror neurons that they've discovered that fire in your brain. Whenever you see someone do something, you tend to respond in the same way and emotion. Have you ever been caught like smiling at the TV? Like you're watching some show and some great thing's happening and some, I don't know, like you know, you, you know, some of it happens and you're just like... You're doing what they're doing. Like, this has happened. I'm, like, my wife will walk in the room and be like, what, what are you smiling about? Like, and I'm like, oh, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this. And I remember, like, my kids, when they were younger, they, they look at me and emulate everything I do. And we'd be sitting at the dinner table, and I'm eating, and I look up, and all their eyes are, like, on me. And I'm like, and I'm like this is weird. Like, it's freaking. And I'm like, why are you watching me watch mommy? They won't watch mommy. She has the best manners. But they got their manners from me. I'm really sorry, guys. Like, that's just like, it's, it wasn't not a great example, but we mirrored this. I remember being on a flight. I was in Southeast Asia, and I was flying back to New York on those crazy, like, long flights. And this was before, like, tablets were available. This wasn't that long ago, okay? But I remember the plane was a plane that had the one giant screen in the middle. And they were showing a movie, so everybody has to watch this. And they chose a great movie. We're flying to New York, and it's a disaster movie, and New York's being destroyed. Great choice of a movie. And it was, like, super intense. And I get up to use the bathroom, and I turn around to walk back, and, like, the whole plane's in front of me. It's one of these huge planes where, like, there's a ton of seats in the right, middle, and left. 
and, and everybody's watching this, and, and, and everybody's like looking up like this, right? And they got the headphones on, but they don't just look like zombies. They're reflecting the intensity that they're seeing. So everybody has an intense face on. It was crazy. It was like, like just this, like, and they're like, whoa, this is weird. Everybody's reflecting what they see. Jesus made us this way. God, he knows this. We spend time with him and we become like him. So where do you have time? I always encourage, when we talk about this in our dinner groups or in, in conversations, you need, to, you need to create a simple place. If you try to, to do, like I remember I was in a staff meeting with church a long time ago and the church used to work about before the, we started ECC, and we were going about this. What are you, what's your, what are you going to do this week? And each week, and I said, "Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do like an hour a day." And I honestly, they called me on it. I was trying to be like, I should, should be a mature Christian. I'm trying to be a pastor. You know, I, I should do this. And and uh, the pastor at the time, the lead pastor, he just laughed at me. He goes, "You're crazy." <laughs> he's like, he goes, "You have three really young kids." He's like, "You're there's no way." Like you got to start. You got to be realistic. And I always encourage people, start with five minutes. Because if you do something you know you can do, you'll do it. And you'll develop this habit. Start with five minutes. You'll be amazed what God will do as you take steps towards Him. And then this next part we, need, we really need to hear, number four, is when life gets hard, we need to remember the reward. We need to remember the, what God is calling us to. Since God's goal is to make you like Jesus, he's going to lead you away from things that destroy you and hurt you, and he's going to walk you through things that are hard. It's not going to be easy. Growth is never easy. So don't be surprised when you experience hardship. It's also just a part of life. There's, there's just a consequence to sin. Sometimes sin, there's what we call horizontal consequences, where others around you bring hard. It just, it's just part of living life. But some of these things, God is allowing to happen because it brings us closer to Him. It's part of the becoming process. It's part of growing. Let's continue to read in Hebrews. Back to Hebrews 12, 2. It says, Jesus did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right side of God's throne. Think of what he went through. How he put up with so much hatred from sinners. Do not let yourselves become discouraged and give up. We need that voice in our lives. Discouragement, what this helps us see is discouragement is a choice. And listen, I'm someone, I, it's really easy for me to become discouraged. I'm more emotional in nature, and, and it's easy. Discouragement is not, it's, it's, it's such a tough thing. Many of you have experienced hard things in the last, you know, just take the pandemic out of it, you just go through stuff normally. It's easy to get discouraged, it's, but it's actually a choice. And we need someone saying, do not let yourselves become discouraged. 
1 Peter 5.10 says, After you suffer for a short time, God, who gives all grace, will make everything right. He will make you strong and support you and keep you from falling. He called you to share in His glory in, his glory in Christ, a glory that will continue forever. And God does not promise an easy life on earth at all, but He does promise a reward in heaven. He's leading us toward something. Nothing is wasted with Him. Nothing is wasted. Paul talks about this. You know, earlier as I, as I began, I talked about how God works all things to the good of those that love him. But before that, we need to understand this in context. In Romans 8, 17, it says, Since we are his children, we will share in his treasures. For everything God gives to his son Christ is ours too. I love this. Full inheritance. We're part of his children just like Christ. He says, but if we are to share his glory, we also must share his suffering. And that's the part where we're like, I'll see you later. (laughs) I'm here for the good. But When things get challenging, that's when we want to check out. I do the same. I love comfort. It's it's an idol for me. I'll I'll admit that. I, I want it to be easy. And I find myself wrestling with God when things aren't easy. But this is where we learn to trust Him. We're learning to lean in. And we learn that there's there's good that's coming out of it in all things. All things. Some things in your life have happened to you. It's not your fault. You couldn't control it. I'm sorry. But God will use that too. Some things, you screwed up. <laughs> Your sin, it just, it just messes. But some things are simply a challenge and hard. God is using all things for the good. He brings purpose in everything. That's why his cross means so much. He took on the sins. He defeated death in the grave. All that happened. It shows that he has power over that. And then we see that he has the power to bring life. He was resurrected from the dead. It's an imagery that's all throughout the scriptures of God bringing something that was dead back to life. What a joy it is to experience that. For the joy that was set before Christ, he endured the cross. We can trust him. When life gets hard, we remember the reward. What an amazing opportunity to grow in faith and experience Christ. Those two are so important. Learning to bring Jesus in every day in our life and learning to trust him in hard things. But let me quickly walk through the last two things. One is you need a team to run with you. If you, I, I'm not really a runner. I, there's one point in time in my life I was in amazing shape. I was swimming a lot and I, when I was lifeguarding. And I remember getting coming back to college after just being like swimming all summer. And I had never really run before. And a, and a friend of mine asked if I'd go running. And I would never have done that on my own. But she invited me. I was like, sure, I, I'll do it. 
Now, in college, a girl's invited to go run with her. As a guy, I admit, like, all right, I'll go. Like, but there's something about doing it with other people. And, and I didn't even know I could do it. But we, I mean, we ran four miles. And I didn't know that's a big deal as a runner just to start out and run four miles. But I didn't realize I've been swimming all summer. There's something about doing things with others that's way better in life. It's your race, but you need others to run it with you. To run fast, you can run by yourself. To run far, run with others. I've heard that said. Going back to Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in their habit of doing, but let us encourage one another as you see the day approaching. We need encouragement. It's a huge part. Like yesterday, my kids were participating in a soccer game, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the game, it just it broke, and the other team started scoring goal after goal, and everybody was devastated. And you could see it, and I felt, we felt so bad and horrible. And, and sometimes as parents, like, we get really mad, and then you, like, it's, it's, a, it's a tedious fog. They start turning on the coach and the referees. Like, you know, hey, parents, you guys, if you're here, you know what I'm talking about. But it was really cool. In this moment, what we, 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 we kind of responded very godly. It was kind of fun. We, I remember going up to the fence and with other parents, and we started encouraging our kids. And saying, don't give up. Get into this game. Go for it. Get up after And, like, the coaching staff, everybody. And the whole game turned around. Now, just so you, they did not win, okay? Like, there's no, I'm not about to share some epic uh, Remember the Titans, like, comeback thing. No, they didn't win. But I remember it, it was so encouraging to see their attitudes around, and they, they enjoyed the rest of the game. They could have easily let it. There's something so incredibly powerful about encouraging. God has made you and I to live life together. We need one another. We need one another. So you gather a team, and, and that, that honestly just goes in the very last thing, is, is remember that God is cheering me at every stage. God is cheering me, including when you screw up and fall. No one shames a baby for not talking. No one is mad at a 10-year-old because they can't drive. Right? My kids took their first steps and then fell down. I didn't. Like, what are you doing? No, we're freaking out, yelling and screaming. This is amazing. You took your first step, and that actually freaks them out. And they're like, oh, like they don't know why we're screaming, and they don't realize, you know, and God loves that. We get back up again because he's standing behind us, cheering us on. God is for you, meaning he is against the things that, are, that will hurt you. He died so that you could get up, not based on what you did, but because of what he has done. He is cheering us on. I'm going to finish with this verse, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. It says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He says, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us to heaven. Let us run the race well and become 
Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your encouraging words to us. I pray that we would just hear the grace, the grace that you engage us with so that we might love you and love others well. I pray for strength to step into this journey, into this city, into our lives, through the hardships, and experience you. And I believe as we do that, our city will see you and know that you love them. We pray this and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.